You're listening to Al Pastor, the show that helps you love God, love your neighbor, and eat more tacos. I'm your host, Pastor Brian. Welcome to the show. Well, hello. I want to welcome you today to the show. Our reading is going to cover Genesis chapter 11. And let me just pull up the full reading for today. It's 11. Chapter Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 26 is what we're going to be covering. And I'm going to go a little bit light today, but I am going to give you some things that you probably should think about. Um, we're going to have a lot to talk about at Bible study. So Bible study is my favorite day of the week. And it's not that I'm trying to hold anything back, but I'm also very curious to see and hear some of your input based on what we've been reading over the last week. Uh, so also today, I'm really excited because this particular morning, I'm, I'm actually recording this on Tuesday evening, of course. And um, so tomorrow morning, I'm going to go over and visit with uh, Mary over at Paula's house with Mary and, and uh, Janie, probably a few other ladies as they get together and sit around the table and just break bread, the bread of fellowship and open God's word and talk about it. So I'm really excited to be able to do that. Also want to give a special shout out today to John Stilwell. He, uh, John, really, really happy for you what God's doing in your life. For those of you that uh, know John, he, uh, the Lord's blessed him. He's now a truck driver and he's on the road a lot. So he's been listening to the podcast. So John, um, I know you know that everybody at Arvin Assembly loves you and we're glad that you um, are tuning in. So thank you for that. And so be safe out there. We know the Lord's hand is upon you as you drive. All right. So Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel. Um, I'm just going to read. I'm going to cover verses one through nine, but also let me give you just another um, encouragement here. Don't skim over uh, verses 10 through 26. You know, try to at least familiarize yourself with some of those names in there, I know how it goes. Like this is the genealogy and he begot him and all of those things. But pay attention to the names. See if there's anybody that you recognize. And then also pay attention to the years of life as well. You're going to see here, um, if you were to just kind of jot down the ages, you're going to see um, the lifespan of man drops dramatically, of course, <clears throat> after the flood. So that's a really good indication of the biological and climate change uh, versus the world that, as Peter calls it, that was, right? So let's get right into it. Uh, Genesis 11, verse 1. So the Bible says, now the whole earth had one language and one speech. So if you haven't been tuning in the last couple of days, if you had read yesterday in Genesis chapter 10, it was listing folks by their languages and and their nations and all that. And you might say, well, I thought they were already speaking different languages. And now it's saying that the whole earth had one language and one speech. That is correct. So Genesis 10 is uh, what we would call a parenthetical statement. In other words, it that the order is actually reversed. So it's just letting you know, and it's giving you a preference of what's to come. So chronologically, chapter 10 occurs after the Tower of Babel. So the, just that little tidbit in case you were wondering. So again, now the, the whole earth had one language and one speech. 
I wonder what the language was. And I wonder if some of you might have some thoughts as to what that language was. What was the original language that the earth spoke? Because obviously that came from Adam and Eve, right? So um, I'd love to hear your feedback about that. I'll probably bring that up at Bible study. Verse number two, it says, And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, I would underline if I were you or circle the term uh, from the east, as they journeyed from the east, and it depends on what translation. So, um, you know, in the original Hebrew, without trying to get, you know, too technical with it, there's things that are called like prepositions. And a preposition means like from, to, in, things like that. So this can be debated somewhat, meaning um, did they journey from the east? Did they journey to the east? And if you look that up, um, let me give you an example. In the New American Standard, so here's the New King James first. It says they journeyed from the east. New American Standard, which is the NASB, it says they journeyed east. ESV says that they migrated from the east. NIV says as people moved eastward. Interesting, right? Does it matter? Ultimately, it's just, it's, it's, because again, Hebrew doesn't have those, those prepositions can mean multiple things. So we're not sure if it's from, to, in, which direction they were going, but we have the word east there. So most likely, um, the, the best way to look at this is that they did journey east. So it was, and if you take out a map as to where we think Noah's Ark landed, which would have been in modern day Turkey, right? The mountains of Ararat. If you were to look at a map, and then you look where they're going, which is the, the land of Shinar, right? Shinar, Shinar, however you say it, which we know as Babylon, which would be um, modern day in and around this region, which is Baghdad, Iraq. So if you were to take out a map and you, and you looked from Mount Ararat down to Baghdad, they actually would be traveling southeast. So it seems more reasonable to deduce that they were traveling east. Now, maybe you're wondering... What's the point in all that? Well, the point in all that is, number one, we've been reading uh, the first 10 chapters of Genesis. In which direction did Adam and Eve leave the garden? Right? Were they which, which direction? From the east side, and they journeyed east. When the incident happened with Cain and Abel, and Cain was banished, which direction did he go? He went to the east. And so what's being signaled here, this is what we would call typology, um, is that the East always represents in, 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 the, in the Torah, okay? Now, I can't say conclusively um, throughout the whole Bible, but at least in what we're reading in the Torah, the first five books, the East is a representation of departing from the presence of God. That's interesting, right? So we have a picture here of the people which are being dispersed, which are, the, these are the descendants of Noah, and some have journeyed east, not all, some, away from the presence of God. And what's going to happen as a result? Well, they're going to build Babel. So they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Some very interesting historical things about the land of Shinar, which are the plains there in Iraq, and um, what we know from from various scholars, um, you know, this is known as the Fertile Crescent in ancient times. Okay, so we're 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 going back now to a period of of uh, 
Oh gosh, we're we're let me. I'm trying to think on the time scale. We're at about what four thousand four thousand years ago. Actually, longer. I'm sorry. We're talking yeah at about six thousand. No, it would be four thousand. I'm I apologize. But during that time, regardless of the of the time frame, my brain's not working correctly. Regardless of the time frame, this is what is known and identified as the fertile fertile crescent of ancient Mesopotamia. So they dwelt there. So it, it wouldn't have been as feasible to make a home and live way up in the mountains of, of Ararat. This is known as a, as the mountain range that is there. So they're down in the flat plains, the flat land in the plain of Shinar. Verse number three, then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. I would pay attention to the phrase, let us make. So this is a collective effort. And then I want to draw your attention to verse number seven, when God speaks, because God says, come, let us go down. So we have something here where the people has, have said, let us. And of course, we have God that says, let us. And we all actually can discuss that, let us. Why is that the plural language used there? But again, verse three, they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. So you could spend a little bit of time, not that it matters a whole lot, but like asphalt. What do you mean by asphalt? Well, that's the word that we translate. It's a type of tar, more or less. Okay. Uh, verse four. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. So very, very interesting. You know, most of the time we approach this um, from a Sunday school perspective, and that's not bad, right? Like we're, we're imagining that these folks are literally trying to build a tower to heaven. And that's just, that's just not true. Just, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not true. What this was is number one, is there are some thoughts, and I actually kind of mentioned this yesterday um, about them trying to build a tower. So some would say, well, they wanted to build a tower so high that that if God were to flood the earth again, it wouldn't reach the top of this tower. I mentioned that yesterday. But that's really, really not the case. What this is, is it has to do, and we'll, we'll get more into this in Bible study, is they're trying to re recreate Eden. You're like, what? What do you mean? This is known as an ancient ziggurat. And ancient ziggurats were a place where the where you would meet God. Now, for them, they're not trying to meet God, Yahweh, the Most High. Who are they trying to tap into? They're trying to tap into the bad guys, the heavenly hosts, the deities that are there. So when they when it says a tower whose top is in the heavens, again, this is a place where heaven meets earth. So we've discussed in Bible study. Um, about this three-tiered system that was in Eden, right? We have the land of Eden. You have a garden that is within Eden. And then within Eden, there was the holy mountain of God, three-tiered structure. So I want you to think of this tower as a man-made mountain of God. Interesting, right? So we'll talk about that in Bible study. And then they said, let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. There also seems to be a presupposition here that they understand and know the covenant that God made with Noah and the creative mandate. If you remember, as we've been reading, God told Noah, he said, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply across the face of the earth. So they're afraid that they, and they, there's an acknowledgement that they are disobeying. 
And so in this, they are trying to mitigate their disobedience. (laughs) Super, super interesting because they seem to know that they're going to be scattered because this is exactly what is going to happen, isn't it? God's going to confuse their language and they will be scattered. So you tell me, I want you to think about this. In this statement in verse number four, what's the reason? Right? So they want a tower whose top is heaven. That means at the top, this is a, the intersectionality between heaven and earth. And then what does it mean for them to say, let us make a name, a name for ourselves? Think about that as well. We have the name of the Lord, don't we? Now, we touched a little bit on the shift in the name of the Lord. And when I say the name of the Lord, we have in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so we have dissected a little bit or discovered that the word for God in Genesis 1-1 is, is generic might not be the right word, but it is, it is a better way for us to understand, meaning God generically, like it's Elohim, the plural for just God. You could use that. Um, you, if you said this in Hebrew, unless there was context, you might ask, well, which God? But when you used God's divine name, which means his character, his attributes, and his and his identity. It's who he is, right? Uh, the Jews consider this the unpronounceable name of God, the Y-H-W-H. They simply say the name. That's what they say. They say Hashem, the name. So they want to make a name for themselves. And then again, there seems to be an awareness of what's going to happen. Verse 5, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. There's a lot that we can talk about on that. <clears throat> Meaning, how did the Lord come down? What are your thoughts about that? Did he manifest himself? Well, we know because we've, you know, we're familiar at least with Genesis. Remember when Abraham had an encounter with two angels? And uh and the and it was the Lord himself that came down? Could be. I wonder if the Lord came down and walked among them, observed heard, heard the speech. I don't know. Verse six, and the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. I would definitely highlight that. Notice that they're one. And then notice that it says they all have one language. And this is, and and then he says, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing they propose to do will be withheld from them. I would encourage you to highlight that phrase as well. Here's one of the keys. One of the keys for God's plan for you having a successful spiritual life, it includes other people. And there are various scriptures like, how great is it when brothers come together in unity? It's great when people come together with with. Uh, you know, one mind and one accord. Doesn't that sound like Pentecost, right? In Acts chapter 2, when they all had gathered together in one mind and one accord. There's power in that. And guess what? There is power on both sides of the spectrum. So there's power in being one accord when you get together with some other folks and you are intent. We could use the word hell-bent, right? Some of you probably are very familiar with that when you weren't serving the Lord. So God understands the power of unity. 
partly because, and the reason that we have access to that power is because we are made in God's image, right? And there's unity within us. So verse 7, he says, come, let us go down there and confuse their language. So what's up with this uh, plural language? Who's God talking to? Is he talking to himself? Does he have a mouse in his pocket? What's this we, right? So, of course, uh, I'm not trying to be cute about it, but this let us is none other than, you know, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, yes, but it's also his, what we would call his divine counsel. It's part of the heavenly host. Really, there, there's no doubt about that. And for those of you that have um, the Genesis record that I've recommended by Morris, he talks a little bit about that. So he said, uh, verse 7, let us go down and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So here's, here's the purpose of this. Why would God do this? Because of the power of unity and because they're going to accomplish what they're going to achieve. Verse 8, so the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. So here's what's interesting. Give some thought to this as well. God actually reverses the curse in the day of Pentecost, and um, we know that what was here at the Tower of Babel, what, what was here? It was Genesis 10, a representation of all nations, right? 70 nations, yes. And then when you go and you see the reversal of this, all the nations came to where? Because we have it recorded in the book of Acts, in chapter 2, the Bible is quite clear. So let me actually pull it up for you, okay? So I can give you the reference, and I'll read it to you. And let's see. First, let me read uh, Acts 2.1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Ah, and one place. Sounds a lot like the folks at Babel, right? They were in one accord in one place. And then verse number 5 it says, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, and then notice this phrase, from every nation under heaven. In other words, there were people that had traveled here, known as the diaspora, because the Jews had been spread to the ends of the earth, at least from their concept, right? And they had been spread as a result of the Babylonian captivity. But they would be, they were, it was required and commanded of God that three times a year they would make a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem. And so this was this was this was obligatory. They had to do this. So on this festival, on the day of Pentecost, notice under inspiration, every nation under heaven was there. And what was God doing? Reversing the curse. They begin to hear them speaking in tongues. And what was it? They're the wonderful works of God. So that is really, really awesome. So God, God in his grace and his mercy uh, ended up doing that and reversing the curse. There's a whole lot more that we can talk about on the Tower of Babel as well. Now, what's also interesting is God, God wanted his mandate to be fulfilled, which was to be fruitful and to multiply across the face of the earth. Well, by the way, what's the, what's the Great Commission? It's to go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? So one of the things that happened on the day of Pentecost, even though we see a reversal, we actually see a similarity because what was happening was, is the church wasn't quite getting off the ground. Now they had signs and wonders and I mean, revival meetings and things were getting off the ground. And 
I mean, Peter and John were healing some folks, but things hadn't, I mean, you know, 3,000 got saved one day, 5,000 another, and just some awesome stuff that was happening. But they were confined to the nation of Israel. And so slowly persecution, God's, God would allow it to happen. I'm not saying that he caused it or anything like that. But the persecution began to force them to spread. And then we see the Apostle Paul that came. And then we see the missionary efforts all throughout the New Testament. Why? Because that was the mandate. The same mandate, folks. Same mandate. There's no difference. The mandate of covenant, the mandate of blessing, be fruitful and multiply, is, is the Great Commission as well. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. So I'm excited to talk um, really, really much more in depth about the Tower of Babel. Some topics we'll probably cover, I hope to cover in Bible study, is to talk about just exactly what, what did they think they were going to accomplish with this tower. Um, perhaps one of them was, um, it's fascinating when you study what's known as uh, you know ancient Mesopotamian ziggurats. These were the complex systems that was known as the Tower of Babel. There, it actually has been excavated what is believed to be the Tower of Babel. So these were religious centers. These were, um, in essence, man-made mountains set up for the gods to come down. And they would offer certain things on top of that mountain in order to blur the lines between heaven and earth. In order, um, we could use the language like a portal or a window, but that's what they believed that they were doing would be opening up a window for this particular deity or God to step through. Also associated with this, it's believed that there was, uh, and we know this from outside of the Bible, of course, um, is a perversion of the, um, uh, what we would call the astrological signs, right? Um, the, the signs of the zodiac. And so it's believed that originally God gave these, uh, we, what we do know, it's not believed. We know that God gave the stars um, as signs in the sky. It's known as the Maseroth. And it was to signify signs and seasons. And we know from the book of Song, Psalms that it is to display the, the glories of God in the heavens. And so it's believed that originally that God taught his message of salvation through the Maseroth, through, this, through the sign, which is now called, most people refer to as a zodiac. And now these folks at Babel, in rebellion to God, because remember, um, Nimrod's main name means let us rebel. So it's believed that they took these and, be and begin to focus their worship not on God, but on the host of heaven. So again, we'll get a little bit more into that. So I hope you guys are doing good as always. Um, if there's something I can pray with you about, if there's something you have more questions about, or if you're like, hey, can you just address just this one thing? I'm happy I can jump on and and do a quick podcast and and discuss something maybe you're having some difficulty with or help you work through it, um, anything like that. So appreciate you guys for tuning in. Really looking forward to Bible study. I hope I'll see you there, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Al Pastor with Brian Overturf. If you found value in this, please subscribe and get updates. Most places podcasts are available. We're right here on Anchor FM through Spotify. Also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. 
I hope you'll tune in for the next episode. Until then, we'll see you later. <laughs>